Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Good to be here. Really good to be here. Is it good to be here? Are you guys glad to be here? I am. I you guys awake? I need, I need some energy because this is, this is the third time for me preaching this this morning. So I need a little, I need a little life, a little energy. Can I get an amen from over here? Okay, you're awake. You're awake. Can I get an amen over here? All right, all right, there, there we go. There we go. I just, thank you. Thank you for doing that for me. I need that. I need that. Hey, um, before I jump into things here, I just want to um, remind you Celebration Midwest is coming and we have 450 people from Jubilee going to Celebration Midwest. That is amazing. Um, love it. If you, for whatever reason, weren't able to make it this year, I just would encourage you to go ahead and mark it on your calendar for next year. It's going to be down at the lake, same weekend, June 17th weekend. Um, and uh, so you could go ahead and save the date right now in your calendar. And, uh, and a quick reminder for all of us here, that means just in a, in a few weeks when we're down at the lake, I believe it's Sunday is June 19th. That means we will not have service here. So please remember that there will be no service uh, here that Sunday morning because we are going to be at the Celebration Midwest Conference. And, and then I want to invite you, uh, invite you slash remind you, one of the th ways that we go about uh, Celebration Midwest is we want to remove as many barriers as that we possibly can, including the financial barrier that it, that it can be to, to go to something like this, a conference down at the Lake of the Ozark at, a, at, the, at, the, law, it's at the hotel. And you know, it's, there's a lot of costs. So we gave discount codes for everyone to use. And, uh, and then we want to encourage, I just want to invite you into being a part of actually making a difference for someone else. And, and you can do that by giving towards Celebration Midwest. So whether you can give the cost of registration, whether you can give a little less or a little more, whatever that is, as a church family, and I would even say whether you're going or not, you can be a blessing to someone by, by uh, giving towards that. You can give online. I think it's, there it is. You can give online or you could drop a check and just, you just want to make sure that you designate that is for CMW, Celebration Midwest, um, online or in person. Okay. Well, hey, let me pray for us. And then we're going to get into this very interesting 10 verses that Paul leaves us with. Jesus, I just thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God. Thank you for truth. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that opens our eyes and our hearts, um, Lord. And what I ask for you today is I ask that as we, as we lean in, would you speak to us? Would you speak to our hearts and make it known to us in an even greater way and even give us a deeper revelation of your love and your heart for your children. And I pray that in Jesus' name, uh, amen. Amen. Well, I came across this story uh, this week that, that made me smile. Um, and it was, uh, it was a wife had given uh, her husband a, a list uh, to go to the grocery store with. And before you think, this is probably David. He just doesn't want to say his name. It's not true. It's not me. I didn't do this. This is not about me. Um, but this wife gives, gives her husband, as she would typically do, a grocery list. She needed seven items from the store. She wanted to make a cake. And the loving husband says, yes, I will do that for you. He goes to the store. But the wife had made one adjustment on this list that she had not done on previous lists. She decided to uh, number things. So she put number one, she needed butter. Number two, she needed flour and so on and so forth. Number seven, she needed milk. So the husband gets back from the grocery store and he brings in a couple bags of groceries, sets it down. He says, I'll be back with the rest. And she's thinking, what? 
because she just needed seven items, so this should be it. And she walks out and quickly realizes the great mistake that her husband had made was that he mistook the numbers as quantity items, not line items. So he bought one package of butter, two packages of flour, three packages of sugar, seven gallons of milk. That's what he came home with. Now, before you think stupid husband, all right, I actually really respect the guy. I thought this guy's awesome. He, he walked into that store thinking my wife's crazy, but if my baby wants seven gallons of milk, I'm going to get her seven gallons of milk. Like he was going to do it. Like he was going to show up. So I, I, I love it. But it, I think that makes me think of is this wife, she made a small change. She made a small, small change, never realizing that just adding this one thing, this small detail would result in her husband being so far off target. And one of the things that Paul is doing in this letter to the Galatians is he is contending and fighting and appealing for the gospel to remain the gospel and for nothing else, for it nothing else to be added to it because he understood that if we add one small detail, if we say, hey, we are saved through Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, plus we need to do this one more thing, then we are no longer living in the gospel. It's not slightly off. It, it may feel like no matter what, a small detail, but he understood that we will, we will not even land close to where God wants us to land. And, and let me give you a, just, there is a lot, these verses are filled with language that we just don't grasp naturally. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles, circumcision, uncircumcised, a lot of language going back and forth. And I just wanna give you a little backdrop to these verses, little context, so we can understand what in the world Paul is talking about and what he's writing to the Galatians about. So Jew and Gentile, real quick, if you are not a Jew, you are a Gentile, okay? It was Jews and it was everyone else. If you were not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Circumcised, when he talks about the ministry to the circumcision and to the uncircumcised, it's just Jew and, just, it's interchangeable, almost Jew and Gentile. If you were a Jew, one of the things that God uh, did was he had them uh, circumcise their men when they were born. It was a marking that distinguished them as the people of God, among other laws and other things that they did to uh, basically to show that they were Jewish. If you were a Gentile, you weren't circumcised. So, um, so what's happened here is Paul says he's received a revelation and he's going to meet with the uh, disciples, the leaders of the church in Jerusalem, okay? And they're gonna, he, he's gonna come to them with his posse. He's got Titus and Barnabas with him. Barnabas is a Jew. Paul is a Jew. Titus is not a Jew. He's a Gentile. And they're gonna meet with these leaders and they're gonna lay before them the gospel that Paul has been preaching primarily, not exclusively, but primarily to Gentiles. In Jerusalem, the disciples have primarily been preaching and seeing Jews come to Christ. And so we have these, 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 the, the gospel breaking out on the scene, both Jew and Gentile being saved, and they're coming together to, to, to share with each other the, the gospel message, wanting to keep it true and pure and to go forward in unity. And so that's what's happening. And then in the midst of these conversations, Something rises up. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's, some, there's a hot topic that rises to the surface in the midst of these conversations with Paul and his crew and the Jerusalem leaders. And he talks about how, uh, we're gonna look at this in verses three through five in just a minute. He, he talks about how um, there was basically controversy if Gentiles 
need to be adopted into the Jewish family, need to adopt a Jewish law, need to be circumcised in order to be in God's family. Some Jews were saying this needs to happen. And, the, and that may feel like, that feels like weird and illogical, but we have to remember that the Jews were God's chosen people, okay? They were God's chosen people out of his grace and love for them. He chose them, he set them apart. He lived amongst them. His presence dwelt amongst them. And God says in the Old Testament that he set them apart and they were going to be a blessing to all the nations. And so it, it kind of follows logic. Hey, we're, we're, we're the Jews. We are God's chosen people, saving us, filling us with his Holy Spirit. But then all of a sudden there's these Gentiles. Like we know we were to be a blessing to them in some shape or form, but they couldn't wrap their minds around how can this be happening and them not be Jewish? They must, God must mean for us to have them grafted into the Jewish family. Now, if you're a Gentile, grown man, think about the medical conditions in that day. This has a huge implications for you if, you're, if they come out of this meeting and decide you need to do that and get circumcised. Which is why I think Paul kind of rejoices, and I'm sure Titus was rejoicing when he says, but even Titus, who was a Gentile, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised. He's like, he's like happy for, for Titus. He says, though he was Greek. I'm sure when the Galatians read this letter from Paul, there was a collective sigh of relief from the men. Like this is not, what they, this is not the way they went. But we're gonna read verses three through five. He says, but even, so as I just read, but even Titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised, though he was Greek. So he wasn't forced to, to come into Jewish law. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery, to them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment. So that the truth, and this is really important. So here's like, what is this all, what is Paul contending for? So that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. He's telling the Galatians, he is, he did not submit. He did not come under, he, no, he resisted to keep the gospel, the gospel, because what these Jews essentially were saying was like, hey, if they become Christians, Christ followers, that's great. They get the Holy Spirit, but they need to then be added into the Jewish, into the Jewish family. And then they're saved. And Paul says, no, 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 no. No, no, we cannot say Jesus plus anything equals the gospel. It has to be Jesus plus absolutely nothing. And Paul isn't really contending, right? He's not contending for, for, for conformity to Jewish or non-Jewish. He's not contending for circumcision or non-circumcision. He is contending whether the gospel would remain rooted in grace versus external works. He is contending for the finished work of Jesus Christ versus us adding something to ourselves that says we're good enough and acceptable to God. And he was getting pressure and there was opposition from false brothers, but he did not yield because he understood the truth of the gospel must be preserved and our path of being saved must remain through God's work and not ours. He's contending against a false gospel. He's contending against a false gospel. And he calls these, these men, we don't, he says they slipped in and they're like, they're saying, no, they need to become Jewish. And he says, he, and, it's, and it's a strong accusation that call Paul, call Paul, that Paul calls these men false brothers. That's a strong accusation by Paul. It's one he didn't use lightly because here's what, here's what this means. They looked like brothers. He didn't say, 
a, a bunch of unbelievers came in the crowd. He says, false brothers, they looked like brothers on the outside. These are people that you might, worship, might be worshiping next to. They might be welcoming you at the door. They uh, might give money to the poor or give money wherever. Like they, they're, they, they, they're probably commenting on the morning devotional plan and showing up to week of prayer. These are people who on the outside, externally are doing the things that we say a Christian should want to do. We want to do. And this is really important that... I think this is really important for us to hear because when we hear things like false brothers, like we disassociate ourselves, like that's not us, that's not us. But whether we're false brothers or not, the reality is there is a gravitational pull within our flesh that longs to justify ourselves by external behavior. We do, we gravitate. If we, when we lose sight of the message of grace and we lose sight of who we are in Christ, we gravitate towards being good enough for doing the right things on the outside, but on the inside, we're dying. And Paul, for not even for a second, would entertain the idea from these men, from these false brothers, that we are saved by anything, by anything but the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He contended for the good news of Jesus to remain rooted in grace. So what is this message of grace? What is, what is the gospel? And listen, you may have heard this a thousand times, but I'll tell you what, you need to hear it a thousand times more. We need to keep reminding ourselves and reminding ourselves of the grace of God and living in the grace of God because we, we drift away. And the message of grace is this. This is what the scripture teaches us. And obviously I'm gonna paraphrase a lot of different verses, but the message is this, is this that we were all born into sin. And we all chose sin. We've all rejected God. And not a single one of us, not me, not you, not anyone, no one deserves the love and forgiveness of a perfect, holy God. Every single one of us in our own way has rejected God and said, I know better than you. I can figure this out without you. I don't need you. In Romans, Paul says that all fall short, that the, the penalty of sin is death and every single one of us falls short. But God, but God, and this is, this is the, the beautiful message of grace because none of us deserve this. And I, I'm gonna read this from Ephesians 2 because I just love the way that Paul puts it in, the letter, in, this, in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, but God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, even when we were dead in our sin, even when we were rejecting him, what did he do? He made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace, not works of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, not works, not my, your performance, not, not how much money you give away, not how many people you help, by grace and grace alone, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, he says. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. And the church said, amen. amen. 
Amen. Listen to me. If you are in Christ, if you are in Christ, then what that says is that God has not treated you how you deserve. Why? Because he loves you, because he's crazy about you, because he adores you. And it doesn't matter what family you came from, what career you have, the things you have done or have not done or will do or won't do. It has nothing to do with your race, your ethnicity. It has nothing to do with the way you treated people last week and you'll treat them next week. It has everything to do with him and what he's done for you and his love for you. And why does he love you? You know why he loves you? Because you're made in his image. You're his kids. And he so wants you to know that he adores you and he's crazy about you that he sent his only son to die on a cross for you. Because he understood that there was no way we were ever going to be good enough to get to him. We were never going to do it. He gave us a thousand, a thousand, a thousand time over tries and we can never do it. And so he himself stepped down. He walked in our shoes. He lived a life we could never live. He never cheated. He never lied. He never spoke an untrue word. He never had a lustful thought. He was pure through and through. He was God through and through. He was holy through and through. But he looked at you and he looked at me. He knew because of our sin, we fell short. And he said, I'll take their punishment. I'll take their punishment. I'll go to the cross. And he was nailed to a tree and the father poured his wrath out, the wrath that you and I deserve on Jesus so that we may come into saving faith, a gift of God, not treated how our sins deserves, not treated how we deserved, but loved, counted as co-heirs as Christ. And it's the scripture tell, even tells us that when, when the father looks on us, he doesn't see us, he sees because we're, we're hidden in Christ. And he adores you. And I hope you're living with that today because so often we don't live with this. We don't live with the present reality that God adores us. He's crazy about you. He loves you. And it doesn't mean that our actions don't matter. Our actions do matter. But what our actions don't matter, they don't matter as it pertains to our salvation. They don't get us in. It's not that they don't matter. They just don't matter for salvation. And that is what Paul is so clearly saying here in Ephesians 2. And that's my hope for you is that today you are living in the goodness, in the grace of God. If you are in Christ, then you are either a son of the one true king or you are a daughter of the one true king today. That's who you are. So often we approach God based on how we are externally performing though, don't we? I mean, how many, I'm, I'm guilty of this. How many of us come in on a Sunday morning and our enthusiasm to worship God is often derived from how good our week or how bad our week is going. And I think God wants us to grasp that if we are in Christ and we come in and we're worshiping him in every single day, when we wake up, his mercy is new. We don't have to like, oh, I, we, we don't have to, we, we wake up and we're like, we can, we can be happy and joyful in God because we are his and we belong to him. 
And if you are not in Christ, this is the, this is the, if you are not in Christ, if you do not know Jesus as your personal savior, if you do not know him as the loving father that he is, as if you do not know that you belong to his family, that's what he wants you to know. That's what he wants you to hear today, that you're never going to get there by what you do. You're only going to get there by receiving the forgiveness that he's extended to you, by stepping into faith that Jesus is the son of God. He is who he says he is. He's done what he's done. And he's your savior and you need him to save you from your sin. And he wants to save you from your sin. So often we approach God based on our actions and on our merits, but he wants us to approach him as sons and daughters. Joel, come up here with me for a minute. Let me steal Joel. He's been up here. He didn't know I was going to call him up. He thought I was going to call somebody else up. Um, Joel, what's your last name? Ackridge. And uh, did you do anything to get that name? No, no, not really. No, you were born and you were given that name, right? Yes, sir. Right. Uh, So listen, if you walked off this stage Mm -hmm. and backhanded Mike Lawson, which you would not do. Never. What would your last name be? Ackridge. And... If you walked out the door and gave a million dollars to the person standing on the corner of the street, what would your last name be? Ackridge. And if you lost your temper with your wife, what would your last name be? No, I, don't, don't, don't get away. Yeah, I know I hesitated. Ackridge. Ackridge. Yeah. Yes, sir. And if you are the best, most loving husband and father that could ever exist on this earth, which I know that you are, what would your last name be? Ackridge. Right. Yeah. Listen, Joel was given a name when he was born. He didn't do anything for it. Nothing he does changes his last name. Jesus says we need a rebirth. We need a rebirth. We need to be born again. We need to be born of the Spirit. And when we're born of the Spirit, which Joel has, faith in Jesus, he gives us a new life. And he reminds us and he tells us that he loves us, he forgives us, he sets us free. Yeah. You living with that today? Yeah. You know God loves you? Yes, sir. He's for you? Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, thank Joel. Give Joel a round of applause. <laughs> we so often, we so often forget who we are and we go back, we go back to works. And you know, there's a reason, if you ask people, the moment they were, re- they were born again, we use that language, it's in the Bible, we're, we're born again into God's family. So often people describe that moment as a weight rolling off their shoulders. Oh, this weight just came off of me. And you know why? You know why that is such a common expression? It's because in that moment that their faith comes alive in their heart and they believe in Jesus and they give their life over to him and to stop following their way, but his way. In that moment, there is this transaction and forgiveness rushes in and we're no longer defined by what we do. We're no longer having to strive. We're completely set free from our sin. And that's why it's so common for you. Oh, it's just like this weight. There was this heaviness. I didn't even know I was carrying it. And there's this heaviness just came off me. I felt lighter because they're forgiven and they're set free. And we don't wanna go back to works. And I wanna give you just a couple signs that you could be more focused on your external behavior rather than focused on Jesus. Signs you're focused on your external works is that we think 
we think thoughts like this, I'm gonna be good now. I'm gonna be good now. I'm gonna do better from here on out. You ever thought that? I'm gonna just do better. How are you gonna do better? I'm just gonna do better. I'm just gonna try harder. Well, you, 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 haven't made, you haven't been better for the last five years. What makes you think you're gonna be better? I'm just gonna do it. Like we have these things, like we're just gonna will it. If you have those kinds of thoughts, you may be drawing your value from your external behavior over the, what you need, which is an internal transformation. When we're focused on our external behavior, we are often more concerned about what people think of us rather than what God thinks of us. We are overly hyper aware of how people perceive us, what they could be saying about us and thinking about us. And Paul being, he's very aware of this temptation to draw our value and identity and our peace of mind, not from Jesus Christ, but from the people around us. And he's continually challenging the Galatians to not get caught up in pleasing people. And I believe Paul actually wanted to underline to the Galatians that we don't rest in man's opinion or perception and we don't put our trust in any man over God, which I think motivated him to say what he does in verse six, because check out what he says in verse six. He says, and from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. And what is he saying? He's saying, listen, God doesn't love me, Apostle Paul, any more than he loves Joel, any more than he loves Mario, any more than he loves Brenda. God shows no partiality. Who they are makes no difference. He said, then he says, those I say who seemed influential, those who seemed influential added nothing to me. What's Paul saying? He's saying they added nothing to his gospel message. They didn't take anything away and they didn't add anything to it. He's not saying he doesn't care about people and he doesn't care about that. No, he loved that they extended the right hand of fellowship to him. Paul talks about how the church, I mean, Marvin hit on it on his testimony. Paul, Paul talked about how the church is this body knitted together, working together, called to be together, to do life together. So he's not saying he doesn't care about people and he's indifferent. No, he's just saying that they didn't change the gospel message. And he's saying our identity, what he's, what he's showing the Galatians is even though he's surrounded by these famous Christians, Peter, James, and John, who walked with Jesus. I mean, how easy would it be enamored by these Christians who walked with Jesus? But he's reminding them our identity, our value, our security doesn't rest on what Peter, James, and John think. Our security rests in who God is. That's, that's what matters. And here's our signs. These are some signs you're focused on Jesus that if you're seeing a lack of this in your life, I wanna encourage you to come back to this. When Jesus is our focus, we're filled with gratitude because we're loved despite our performance. When Jesus is our focus, we're filled with peace because although we lack control, he's in control. When Jesus is our focus, we will more willingly admit that we lack understanding and we need someone's help. When Jesus is our focus, we can't tell people Sorry, when Jesus is our focus, we can't wait to tell people and show people the love of God, to show them what we've received because we didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us anyways. And I think this is why Paul says, I think it's, it's interesting that Paul says, it, they kind of close out this section and he tells them that the Jerusalem leaders didn't add anything to them, but they said, just do this one thing, remember the poor. And what's Paul's response? He said, it was the very thing I was eager to do not obligated to do. No, oh yes, yes, that's, that's what we have to do as good Christians, we gotta do that, check the box. No, no, he was eager to do it. It was in his heart to do it. If they wouldn't have asked him to do it, he still would have done it. 
Because see, Paul lived with this awareness, this awareness and this focus on Jesus that he was so spiritually bankrupt, that he was so spiritually dead and God was so abundantly generous with him and so abundantly gracious to him that he wanted to show people his love. And that's where we gotta live, church. We gotta live in this place where we are filled and focused on who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And we may not measure up today or tomorrow, we won't, but here's the thing, he's called us and he's set us apart and he's not, he's not, he's not grading us day to day. Okay, now I like you, now I don't, now I like you, now I, that's not what he's doing. No, he adores you. He's crazy about you. He has good things for you to walk in. He has good things for you to experience. There are longings deep within your soul, peace and rest that you are longing for that he wants to give you. So where's your happiness today? Where's your joy and your peace and your hope living today? Is it in the knowledge and understanding and revelation that you are in Christ, that you are free? You know that you're free. You're forgiven right now in this moment. If you are in Christ, your sin is removed as far as the East is from the West, it says. That's how far it is. That sin that you're gonna commit later on this afternoon, God already knew you were gonna do it when he died for you. All right, listen, I know we get discouraged. I know we get discouraged. I know we feel like God doesn't see us. I know we feel like we get overlooked. I know we feel I, these, these feelings rise up within us. And that's why it's so important that we preach this to ourselves and remind us, no, 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 out of God's love and grace, he has brought us into his family. And we approach him in confidence, not because of our performance, but because of grace and what he's done for us. It's rooted in truth. It's rooted in the truth that those who are in God's hand cannot be taken out. It's in the truth that Jesus died for you because he loves you and you're his child in every season, in every circumstance. It's found in the reality that you woke up today. You woke up today to his mercy being new for you. And if you haven't heard that you don't have to be good enough, let me just end with this. If you just are not living with this awareness, that you do not have to be good enough. In fact, never will be good enough to be in relationship with God, to be born again into a new life and forgiven of your past and present and future sin. Let me just tell you, let today be the day that you hear that and believe that. Today, you can lay that burden of striving down. Today, you can receive forgiveness and have freedom that God wants to give you. Freedom does not come through an act of goodness. It's a cross. It came through a cross that you could not bear. So Jesus bore it for you. He laid his life down so that you may know he is God and he has a life and a purpose for you. Let's stand and let me just pray for us and the band's gonna come and we're gonna worship, but just in our hearts, in our own way, I just, I just feel like I just, it's just good to give thanks. Like it's, when we hear this, I don't know about you, but when I, when I hear this, information that I, you know, I've read it over and over in the Bible, but when I'm, when it's living within me, I, today, right now in this moment, I'm this, in this moment, I'm a son of a king. I'm in God's family. No one can take me out of his hand. I'm forgiven. It just, want, it just causes me to want to give thanks, Lord. So just, Lord, just thank you so much, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness. Lord, thank you that you've treated me, not, not how I deserve God but you've had mercy on me. God, Lord, I fall so very short, so very short of your perfect love, God, but you, 
and your immeasurable kindness, Paul says in Ephesians, your immeasurable kindness. God, you've drawn near to us. You've made a way for us, God. We couldn't get to you, but you came to us. So God, help us right now, Lord, in this moment, receive this truth and receive the revelation and believe and walk it out, Lord. We are sons and daughters of the Most High King. Let us put you on display. Lord, we don't wanna look just like everybody else. We wanna, we wanna have a bounce in our step because we're the daughter and son of the, of the one true King. Eternity waiting for us, perfection waiting for us. And God, you want us to usher in and tell people over and over again, they have a place in your family. They have a place in your family. Help us, Jesus. Thank you so much, God, for your love. Amen. Let's worship.